pray with me. Almighty God, Holy Spirit, Prince of Peace, I praise you for your great, great faithfulness. I stand in awestruck wonder at the punishment you endured to bring us peace. You were pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities and the wounds, your wounds, that you endured healed us. You paid the ultimate price for our peace with God and with one another. Therefore, teach us, Holy Spirit, as we walk through this passage, how to live at peace with God and one another. Instruct our hearts. Use me, your humble servant, to speak your truth with skill and accuracy. Transform us by your power into peacemakers just like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. It is in his name that I pray. Amen. Have you ever encountered a barrier that you could not break? A barrier, you know, an obstacle or a stumbling uh, block, a wall that you run into and you just can't get past? In life, we encounter all kinds of barriers, physical barriers, psychological barriers, cultural barriers, language barriers, emotional barriers, relational barriers. When we overcome barriers like these, we say we have broken the barrier. During World War II, pilots reported aircraft tearing apart and instruments freezing when they dove during combat. Scientists believe that this was at the moment they approached the speed of sound. Pilots describe this moment as hitting an invisible wall, a barrier. For years, the Air Force worked to discover what would happen when the sound barrier is broken. The question was, could a plane or a human being withstand the pressures of breaking the sound barrier? In ancient Ephesus, the Apostle Paul was far more concerned with peace barriers than sound barriers. For many Christians in Ephesus, peace was elusive. For many Christians today, peace is elusive. How can we be at peace when there is so much hostility and division around us? People are divided over everything and anything. Politics, race, vaccines, immigration, rising prices, food shortages, and on and on and on. All barriers to peace. People are filled with anger, frustration, worry. All barriers to peace. There's no peace. People are at odds with one another. They're enemies. They spew hatred, not peace. We look to worldly leaders for worldly solutions, but they will not and cannot help. Breaking the barriers to true and lasting peace requires divine help. God is the one who created us for peace, to be at peace with him and one another. Peace is in our DNA. It is why our souls thirst for peace, personal peace and world peace. How do we get the peace that our souls long for? It is a gift from the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. 
sinners are enemies of God, at war with God. There is no peace, only wrath. But on the cross, Jesus Christ broke all barriers to peace with God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, Paul details the different barriers to peace broken by Christ's work on the cross. The wonderful truth that we will examine in this passage is that in Christ, all barriers to experiencing peace with God are broken. We have two divisions, hostility killed and household built. The first division, hostility killed, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. So let's first look at verses 11 through 12. Therefore, remember, at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the circumcision by what is called the circumcision, the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Another mouthful from Paul. In this section of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he continues to remind them of who they were before their conversion. Remember in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, he said that they were, they were dead, depraved, doomed. Now in verses 11 through 12, he says, as Gentiles, the uncircumcised, the non-Jews, they had five distinct disadvantages or barriers to peace with God. They were separated from Christ, alienated from the nation of Israel, strangers to the covenant of God, hopeless and godless. The Jews called the Gentiles the uncircumcision because they were a people outside of God's covenant. Circumcision was the physical sign and seal of this covenant. As God's covenant people, the Jews enjoyed and flaunted a position of great privilege before God. Hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles was great, and it was mutual. Commentator William Barclay says that the Jews had an immense contempt for the Gentile. They said the Gentiles were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. And that God loves only Israel of all the nations that he had made. So until Christ came, the Gentiles were an object of contempt to the Jews. The barrier between them was absolute. Paul wanted the Gentiles to remember the barrier of enmity that once existed, to remember what they once were without hope, without the promise of a Savior or a Messiah to come. They were once so far away from God. Paul says that they were godless. For them, there was no peace, no peace with God, no peace with the Jews, and no peace with each other. But Jesus, broke all of these barriers to experiencing peace with God. Look at verse 13, the words, but now signal an abrupt yet glorious transition. But now in Christ Jesus, 
You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In Christ Jesus, we have been brought near to God. In Christ, all barriers to experiencing peace with God are broken, shattered. Believer, have you pondered that marvelous truth? In Christ, we have immediate and continual access to our Heavenly Father, the one who created all things and sustains all things. Hide that truth in your heart. Let it move you to perpetual praise. In Christ, we have a peace that brings us near to God. I mean, how often do we take that precious gift for granted. In verses 14 through the first part of verse 15, the good news continues. He says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Now, the dividing wall of hostility refers to not only the hostility between God and sinner, but to the hostility between two races of people, Jew and Gentile. Christ himself broke through this barrier to peace with God. His death on the cross broke through the dividing wall of hostility. His peace is now our peace. We are made one with him because his death abolished the law of commandments. Now, you really smart Bible study gals probably remember that in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus declares that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Here it says he abolished the law. That's what Paul is saying. How do we resolve the contradiction? Well, there are three kinds of laws in the Bible. The moral law, which is spelled out in the Ten Commandments, the civil law, which applied only to the theocratic nation of Israel, and the ceremonial law, which is spelled out in books like Leviticus. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is referring to the moral law. In contrast to the righteousness demanded by the Pharisees, he taught the people about Christian righteousness. This righteousness involves radical obedience to God's moral law. Jesus did not abolish God's moral standards of behavior. Of the moral law, John Calvin says God's, it's God's revelation of what is pleasing to him from his people. Believers are still required to obey God's moral law. What Jesus did abolish is law-keeping behavior as a way of salvation. Obedience to the law cannot save you. Paul's mention of circumcision refers to the ceremonial law that governed things like sacrifices and cleanness or uncleanness. Ceremonial law pointed to Jesus Christ with its types and shadows and was fulfilled by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. However, his death on the cross also paid the penalty of sin, thereby removing the condemnation of the moral law. 
John Stott is helpful here. He says, we are all brought to the same level at the foot of Christ's cross. To sum up, Jesus abolished both the regulations of the ceremonial law and the condemnation of the moral law. Both were divisive, barriers to true peace. Both were put aside by the cross. Why? Look at the last part of verse 15. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. What Christ has done breaks all barriers to experiencing peace with God, and it heals all division. All who are in Christ are one new united human race, the race of the reconciled, the body of Christ, the church with the capital C. In this new human race, all division is gone. There is a new unity in Christ. At peace with God, you and I can experience peace with one another. Paul speaks of the reconciliation that comes through Christ's peacemaking work. Verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. A mutual hostility exists between sinful man and a holy God. Christ died on the cross to reconcile these two parties that were at odds with each other, or enemies. First, he reconciled sinners to a holy God by covering their sins with his shed blood. Second, he reconciled man to man because now they are the same in Christ. In Christ, they are united to one another. Brian Chappell says that the reconciliation is corporate. The full reconciliation that God intends occurs as the two different races in one body are reconciled to him by the cross. For the Ephesians, there was no longer Jew or Gentile, but one body, the body of Christ. The same is true for us as far as things like denominations, race, social status, and cultural differences are concerned. All who are in Christ are united as one corporate body, called to live at peace with one another. Christ's work on the cross killed the hostility. Jesus is peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Where there was hostility, he brought peace, a peace that he has given to every Christian. Once reconciled to God, the barriers of national and cultural identities are broken. All other differences and barriers to experience peace, experiencing peace with God and one another are broken. They're rendered irrelevant because we have one new identity. Christian. That's it. Chapel continues saying, God intends for us to relate uh, with him as one race, so unified as to be considered one body, incomplete without one another. There is a sense in which the full experience 
of our reconciliation to God is incomplete until we are approaching God together as one. I mean, what he's saying is that believers experience God's peace most fully by living in loving unity with one another. That's our, our first truth. Believers experience God's peace most fully by living in loving unity with one another. How are you experiencing peace with God? How does that peace affect your daily life and your relationships with others? Within the body of Christ, do your actions reveal that you are promoting hostility or peace? In Christ, we have his peace. Therefore, we must foster peace rather than fuel the hostility. But truthfully, we tend to avoid people who are different than we are in skin color, social status, culture, behavior. Or language it is hard work and we do not like to get out of our comfort zones we so easily fail to see others through the lens of what we have in common in Christ but God calls us to do this hard work of actively breaking down the barriers that stand between us he calls us to break down peace barriers to promote and keep peace within the body of Christ. This requires us to reach out to those who appear different on the surface. Brian Chapel again, is helpful here. He provides us the incentive to do this, and it's a glimpse of heaven. He says, in the coming together of different persons, we have the delight of pre-glimpsing the heavenly scene where the great multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language will gather as one before the throne of God to wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. We who see what kinds of barriers God can demolish recognize the power of the gospel when there is peace between persons so different, and it brings us great joy. Commit today to being a barrier-breaking peacemaker. Reach out to a fellow Christian who is different in age, appearance, opinion, or culture. Engage in conversation. Grab coffee or lunch. Get to know them. Discover what you have in common and how you can live in loving unity with them. Believers experience God's peace most fully by living in loving unity with one another. In our next division, Paul takes this loving unity to a whole new and more intimate level. He speaks of believers building the household of God. So our second division is household built, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 through 22. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and a peace to those who were near. After Paul details how the Prince of Peace has broken the peace barrier, he says, Christ came and preached peace. Truly, he is the Prince of Peace. He is peace. He is our peace, 
and he preaches peace. This means that he proclaims the good news of the peace that he accomplished on the cross. Jesus preaches the gospel he accomplished. He preaches the peace of the gospel to those who are far off and to those who are near. This fulfills Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 57, 57, 19. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Spirit brings Gentiles, those who were far off, and Jews, those who were near, together before the Father. Jesus leaves no one out when he preaches the gospel. Everyone believer and unbeliever, needs to hear about the peace that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a peace that he died to give us. It is a peace that broke all barriers so that we could experience it. It is a peace that gives us direct access to God. Paul reiterates what he stated in verse 13, but now he uses the word we meaning the Jews and the Gentiles together. And he says in verse 18, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. In Christ, all believers are covered in Christ's righteousness and they have access to the Father. His blood obliterated every barrier that separates us from God and gives us all equal access to the Father. Through the Holy Spirit, all believers have the same privileges, the same blessing, and the same access to God. Through prayer, every believer can enter the throne room of heaven, kneel before the sovereign of the universe, and address him as Father. But that's not all. In verses 19 through 22, Paul takes us into an even greater intimacy with God. He reminds the Ephesian Gentiles of who they are now. And when he does, he reverses all five of the disadvantages or barriers that he listed in verse 12. He says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I mean, did you hear all of those intimate terms? Household of God, holy temple, dwelling place for God. This was a barrier-shattering truth for the Gentiles. They were once not allowed anywhere near the temple. Jewish historian Josephus wrote that the temple was encompassed by a stone wall for a partition with an inscription that read, No foreigner may enter within the barrier and enclosure round the temple. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. But in Christ, in Christ, all barriers to experiencing peace with God are broken. 
Paul says that the Gentile believers are joined to Jewish believers to create a new community of believers at peace with God. They're at peace with one another. In Christ, you and I are at peace with God and at peace with one another. In the body of Christ, we're all fellow citizens of the kingdom of God along with Jesus Christ and every other believer. We have been adopted into God's divine household, members of God's holy family. His household is a stable household, an unshakable household, because it is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. This refers to what men who walked with Jesus while he walked on this earth wrote and taught about him. They were eyewitnesses to the person and the work of Jesus. They laid a foundation for believers, and a foundation only needs to be laid once. So the apostles and prophets did this once and for all, and the foundation that they laid is preserved for us in the New Testament. Paul also says that Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. He holds the household of God together as it grows into a holy temple. John Stott says that Christ, the cornerstone, is essential for the church's unity and growth. Unless it is constantly and securely related to Christ, the church's unity will disintegrate and its growth will either, either stop or run wild. Jesus Christ must remain central to the church and to every believer. Making anyone or anything else the center of attention creates barriers to fully experiencing peace with God and with one another. It also creates barriers to living as God's holy temple. Paul says that the Gentiles have been mem made members of the church. As such, they have become stones used in the construction of God's holy temple. In Christ, this whole structure or building is joined together and it grows into God's holy temple. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we learn that we are God's workmanship. 1 Peter 2, 5 specifies that we are living stones that God is building into a spiritual house. This means that believers are designed, created, built by God to be his dwelling place. This is true of every believer. Your humble little body and mine are God's house. He lives in us. Take a few days, weeks, months, years to ponder that. It doesn't get any more intimate than God living in you and you living in God. But do you also hear the echoes of the covenant of redemption? 2 Corinthians 6.16 ties it all together. It says, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. There is no greater peace than living in intimate communion with God. So our second truth is that believers experience God's peace 
most fully by living in intimate communion with him. What barriers are keeping you from living in intimate communion with God? Name the distractions that keep you from spending time in God's presence. Name the excuses that you give for failing to pursue holiness and serve as a member of God's holy priesthood. 1 Peter 2.5 doesn't just say we are living stones that God is building into a spiritual house. Listen to the full verse. You believers, live like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house for a holy and dedicated priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. Do you want to experience the fullness of God's peace? Then live in intimate communion with him. Live so close to him that you hear his voice every moment of every day. And then when you hear that voice, do what he says. You will know his peace. You will experience his peace. You will enjoy his peace. Believers experience God's peace most fully by living in intimate communion with him. Are you ready to break all the barriers to experiencing God's peace. On October 14, 1947, in one of the greatest moments in aviation history, pilot Chuck Yeager rocketed an experimental plane at the speed of over 770 miles an hour, faster than the speed of sound. He broke the sound barrier. He and the Air Force scientists uh, they worked through many failures before he did so. In the 1940s, aircraft were not designed to fly supersonically. They were not fast enough to break the sound barrier. Necessary design techniques and aerodynamic details were not yet known. So there was a lot of trial and error involved in finally breaking the sound barrier. But you and I, we do not need to figure out by trial and error how to break the peace barrier. Praise God that our Savior is the Prince of Peace. He has already broken all barriers to experiencing God's perfect peace. You and I, we need only heed his word to experience his peace in our lives. Here are a few barrier-breaking scriptures to get you started. In Galatians 5.22 and Romans 8.6, we are told to walk by the Spirit. He is the Spirit of life and peace. In 1 Corinthians seven fifteen, we are instructed to heed God's call to live in peace. Romans fifteen thirteen instructs believers to believe God. Believe what he says. Trust him. Then the God of hope will fill us with all joy and peace. Isaiah 26, 3 exhorts us to keep our minds stayed on God, to meditate on his word and on his character until we trust in him alone. And when we do, he will keep us in perfect peace. Isaiah 32, 17 through 18 says that God's people 
will live in a peaceful surrounding and in secure dwellings and in undisturbed resting places when they pursue holiness or righteousness. Finally, in John 14, 27, Jesus says that he gives us his peace as an enduring gift of grace. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Every believer has already received this gift from Jesus. Have you opened yours? Or is it unwrapped and covered in dust, long forgotten on a cluttered shelf? Peace is not elusive for those who are in Christ. With the Holy Spirit's help, we can get past all the barriers to fully experiencing the peace that is already ours. But for those who are not yet in Christ, peace is elusive. Worldly peace is an illusion. Yet people yearn for peace. They have an intense desire for peace. You and I, we hold the key to breaking down their peace barriers. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. How could you break the peace barrier for someone that you love? Begin today to pray for those who are still lost and do not know God's peace. Pray, oh God, may your peace reign in. And then fill in the blank with that whole list of prodigals that you know, that whole list of the lost. Show them how Jesus' peace reigns in your own life, breaking down the barriers of hopelessness, helplessness, and godlessness. Be the one who shows them how the cross of Christ is God's barrier-breaking answer to racial discrimination, segregation, anti-Semitism, bigotry, denominational divides, and every form of strife between mankind. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, the source of all peace. He has given us his blood-bought true peace that reconciles sinners to a holy God, uniting them to him and to one another as the body of Christ. Their peace and unity reign, not hostility and division. In Christ, all barriers, all of them, to experiencing God's peace are broken. Hallelujah. Would you please pray with me? A wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You are the source of all peace. You keep us in perfect peace as we keep our minds stayed on you, trusting in you and you alone. We can take heart in every trial because we know that you have overcome the world. In you, we are more than conquerors. Holy Spirit, help us to set our minds on the things of your spirit, that which gives us life and peace. Lord Jesus, you promised to give us your peace that is not a worldly peace, so that our hearts may not be troubled or afraid of anyone or anything. 
May we rest in your peace. May we live in your peace. And may we extend your peace to all people in all circumstances. Empower us, Prince of Peace, to faithfully serve as your ministers of reconciliation to the glory of your mighty